I was working as a private chef. And then when my kids were toddlers, I left that job to stay at home with them. So it was during this period of time when I'm talking about sort of drinking more and eating more that I was 100% just at home taking care of them. It stemmed from just the chronic stress of, you know, the physical demands, the emotional demands, the psychological demands of taking care of kids, feeling like my, um, <laughs> my idea of what it would be like to be a mom, my expectation was completely different from the reality of it. And I think just like, you know, the identity shift that comes along with that and not really having any kind of coping mechanisms available to me to manage the emotions that I felt. And so it's just very convenient to turn to drinking or to turn to eating. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Time Adulting Podcast. Thank you so much for being here again today. I just so appreciate all you listeners out there. Um, today, I have a guest named Molly Zemek. Molly, say hello. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm delighted to have you here today. I want to give everybody a little bit of a backstory on how you came to be a guest today, which was that you just reached out to me and proposed a very interesting topic, which is all about sort of, um, I guess, mommy wine time is what we were kind of talking about um, this as. And I had done an episode um, quite, a, quite a while ago about mommy mm -hmm. wine culture and the dangers of mommy wine culture. And um, a friend of mine, Emily Lynn Paulson, a sober mom um, who had had come on as a guest to the podcast to talk about how those dangers of mommy wine culture really sort of infiltrated her at a time she was very vulnerable and, you know, caused to a lot of problematic drinking um, for her. And there are, um, that is a very valid and real thing that happens out there. But your point um, after listening to that podcast was like, hey, there's also a lot of moms that are not necessarily in this addict problematic drinking category, but that maybe are overindulging and um, that there are steps to take to scale back on your alcohol intake uh, without, you know, the villainization of alcohol and still being able to enjoy wine or whatever kind of alcoholic beverage you like to enjoy in, in moderation. So Molly, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your background before we launch into the meat of the conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was especially drawn to that particular podcast episode because I am a huge wine lover. I am a certified professional chef and also am a trained sommelier. That was kind of my, my previous profession. I'm just a huge food lover, a huge wine lover. But I found myself in this position um, as a mom of young kids. I have three yeah, relatively young boys now who are 13, 11, and 8. Um, but at the time, my boys were were toddlers, and or my two older were toddlers, and I found myself in this place of just really heavily relying on wine time at the end of the day as a way to relax, as a way to have me time, um, and also just really enjoying my nightly snack habit. And um, it was definitely the result of me just pursuing what I call like a love affair of food. And, and drinking for a long time, kind of in my in my early 20s. 
Um, and it was never really a problem until I, you know, was close to say 35 to 40 and was raising young kids. Um, and just found myself really feeling genuinely unhappy. And, um, and I'd say like the highlight of my day was, was wine time. It was around that time that I was just really feeling dissatisfied with my life, which was just kind of a shock because what I wanted more than anything for so long was to be a mom. Um, but then I sort of found myself in the reality of motherhood, which you do such a great job describing the truth of. Um, and really just feeling unhappy with this regular routine of unwinding every night with a couple of glasses of wine, you know, eating to the point of just not feeling comfortable um, and really just feeling just dissatisfied with everything. And, and I, I talk about how, um, you know, I sort of at this point of turning 40, I just had this conversation with myself of like, you know, is this the best you know, life is going to be? Am I, is this what midlife is, is supposed to look like? Um, I had everything that I thought I wanted and I just was really unhappy. Um, and I knew that something had to change. I kind of had this realization that my regular drinking habit, which by the way, was like two to three glasses of wine every night. I never really considered myself an alcoholic. Um, but I knew that drinking was something that was having a negative impact on my life. Um, it was affecting my mood. It was affecting my energy. It was affecting kind of the way that I showed up as, as a parent. And that combined with the way I was eating was really just affecting me in, a, in sort of a negative way. Um, I never really felt like like dieting or taking a break from drinking ever like truly addressed the problem because eventually I would just go back to overeating and over drinking. Anyway, I was really interested in self-help. I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was um, just reading a lot of different sources and I stumbled on life coaching and I realized that in order for me to kind of change the habits that I found myself tied up in, I really needed to figure out why I was relying on drinking and eating every night as a way to de-stress. And so through the process of kind of understanding the root reasons why I was drinking and eating more than I needed to, I was able to kind of solve some of the underlying stressors that I was dealing with in natural ways. Um, I mean, I'm like greatly summarizing this, but it just completely changed my life. Yeah. I guess what I was, I was thinking of as you were sort of saying this was what kept coming to mind for me as you're kind of talking about like being unhappy. If the overindulging in wine and um, snacking or eating at night was what was making you unhappy or there were things going on kind of propelling you to just drown out in a little bit of wine and a bunch of snacks every night. And by the way, thank you for like your honesty yeah. on all of that, because I think that that's um, the most important part of the conversation. I really appreciate your approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the reason I do what I do now is is primarily to help other people kind of experience the same freedom that I feel like I discovered. And really, I think I was just unprepared to be a mom. I mean, I was used to um, living independently, working independently, you know, taking care of my own needs for all of my 20s. And then I was put into this position that I 100% signed up for and thought I wanted of 
taking care of these three little kids. And um, were you a stay at home mom at this time? Yeah, well, I was I was working as a private chef. And then when my kids were toddlers, I left that job to stay at home with them. So it was during this period of time when I'm talking about sort of drinking more and eating more that I was 100% just at home taking care of them. Yeah. Um, And so what I mean by kind of like the underlying reasons why I wasn't feeling well, it stemmed from just the chronic stress of, of, you know, the physical demands, the emotional demands, the psychological demands of taking care of kids, feeling like my, um, (laughs) my idea of what it would be like to be a mom, my expectation was completely different from the reality of it. Um, And I think just like, you know, the identity shift that comes along with that. And not really having any kind of coping mechanisms available to me to manage the emotions that I felt. And I think that's the position that just a lot of young parents find themselves in. And we don't really know how to, to manage our feelings or how to manage stress without some of these traditional ways, whether it's eating or drinking or drugs or porn for some people. Um, And so it's just very convenient to turn to drinking or to turn to eating. And that actually, for me and for a lot of people, just made me feel even worse. So I definitely relate to exactly what you're saying about the stress of being home with little kids. And I also stopped working when my kids were pretty much toddlers after my son um, had been diagnosed with leukemia. And at that point in time, I totally was like, I can't wait to have a glass of wine at five o'clock tonight. Like it was definitely a pretty much nightly ritual. Maybe I would take off a night or something throughout the week if we had had like a, like any action going on on the weekend and there were like more drinks on the weekend, then I might be apt to take some dry days during the week. But as a rule, like I was just so sort of stressed and feeling like out of control, I would say by the end of the day with the kids around. And it was the one thing I was felt like I could look forward to. But I, I do think that like, if that is something that you are relying on, on a daily basis, then it's also contributes to that overall sense of not feeling in control, right? Because it's like, you're feeling like you need something. However, I feel the same fucking way about drinking a cup of coffee when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I can't wait to have that cup of coffee. But I think that I've grown out of that like toddler phase of life. And um, for the most part, I still have my little guy. But within like my life now, I'm I have more like distractions, more things that are fulfilling me on a deeper level day to day that I don't feel that like, I don't remember necessarily that it's like a time to have a glass of wine. Like, and then it's just, I'm not, you know, it's like, skip it, whatever, who cares? Yeah. So I don't know. What do you, um, I guess I want to know, like when you're talking about shifting mindsets, mm-hmm. um, part of me thinks like, is it, are you able to shift mindsets when you're in it like that? Or is it just a season of life also? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, it was really this point, this like moment of awareness of recognizing like that, that time, like when I turned 40, I'm like this, I just really don't love how I feel physically, mentally, emotionally, like something has to change. And that for me started a journey of really, it started first with food, of unraveling the habit of eating more than I needed to. 
Um, and, and through the process of that, I just became a lot more connected to my body. I came and, and through my body, I became connected to like my emotions and how I was feeling, which was just a completely foreign territory to me. I never identified myself as an emotional eater. I, I just always thought of myself as somebody who's just generally not very emotional. Well, it turns out like I had never really given myself the opportunity to explore how I felt. I was somebody who kind of grew up in, in a family where, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, where it's like you don't really talk about how you feel. Or, you know, my parents didn't really know how to, to talk through feelings with me. So sometimes I would just be accused of being too sensitive or, you know, it was, it was a problem if I was crying. And so I would just like kind of turn to food as a way to maybe deal with how I felt. Um, and when I had this opportunity in my 40s to change the way I was eating, all of a sudden, all of these emotions came to the surface, which was a, a challenging but like really beautiful thing to experience. Um, and through that, I, I started to also peel back the layers of why I was drinking. And it wasn't like there was some deep, dark secret or depression or some, you know, tragedy, but it was really just like recognizing the areas in my life where I was dissatisfied. And wine was just a convenient escape. So I want to take 30 seconds to talk about Perfect Bar, who is making this episode possible. These are nutrient-packed protein bars. They have this like amazing cookie dough-like texture that I love. My favorite flavor is the coconut peanut butter. They also have a snack size available, which is just right up my alley, obviously. My favorite snack size flavor is the dark chocolate chip. And what I truly love most about these bars is that I trust them. So they're refrigerated because they're not jammed with preservatives and they contain real whole foods. So do yourself a favor and try perfect bars. And now back to the show. So when I talk about kind of like shifting mindset and changing habits, it really began with first noticing like how I felt in my body and how, you know, eating and drinking the way that I was, was just not helping me feel better. Starting to understand why I was eating and drinking and like what my, the root reasons were and really kind of, you know, to your point, figuring out how I could satisfy my needs without eating and drinking more than I needed to. Um, and in the beginning, to be honest, like it looked like me taking a break from alcohol. And so I sort of thought, well, yeah, maybe this like wine just does not have a place in my life at all. And it shouldn't. Like I was thinking it's bad, it's poisonous. Um, I took a break from drinking and, you know, did that for about a year. But I really, you know, you know, sort of struggled with with feeling at peace with with thinking like I have to give it up completely. And I sort of, you know, really experimented with my ideal relationship with alcohol. And what I realized by eating more consciously that I could also approach drinking in a much more conscious way, where I was paying more attention to my body, where I was intentionally deciding to drink rather than like spontaneously giving into the urge to drink. And then also noticing when I drank, like, how is it affecting my body? Where is sort of the ideal stopping point? And, and also like developing the skill of noticing when I had the urge to continue drinking and being able to be with that kind of emotional feeling of an urge and not give in and drink. And it's the same sort of approach that I used with eating. And I really do think it's a skill that can be taught to people who don't necessarily identify as being addicted to alcohol but who maybe find themselves in that category of just like, oh, I feel like I'm drinking a little bit more than I want to. 
Yeah. And I, I suppose there, there is a pretty important distinction to make there between people who, who do have a, an addiction to alcohol right. versus those who maybe are drinking more than they should. But I, I sometimes also feel like there's this line that people walk that like what maybe what you had going on may or may not have developed into a more serious drinking situation had you not made the decision to go the other way, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're just not built that way anyway. Maybe you were just always going to keep it within the limits of two or three glasses of wine and never really go further than that. Right. And and I don't know if you would agree with this, Caitlin, but I really think just like with other substances, alcohol affects people differently. The way that having a glass or two of wine affects me might be completely different from the way that it affects you. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly known people or spoken to people where it's like, if they have a glass of alcohol, they really feel like they can't control themselves. Other people can tolerate much more. And so one of the beautiful things I think about learning how to be very conscious in your relationship with food and alcohol is that it really connects you to your individual bodily experience. You know, with food, it's like, okay, what foods really make me feel good? Which foods don't make me feel good? What's the ideal amount of food for me to feel my best? Same thing with alcohol, right? If I have a glass of white wine, it, it affects me differently than a glass of red wine. Yeah. Um, if I drink at certain times of the day, it affects me differently than if I drink right before bed. And so one of the things that I was able to achieve for myself, which for me is the ideal relationship, but it is obviously not the ideal relationship for everybody with alcohol, is that I can drink a couple times a week and stop at two glasses of wine and really, you know, achieve what I call the sweet spot of enjoying it without experiencing a lot of the negative consequences. But I know that if I go beyond that, I'll start to feel a lot worse. And so I'm very careful about you know, being intentional in how much I drink, knowing what kind of alcohol I'm going to drink and when I'm going to drink. And I think one of the things that that stood out about your podcast that I really felt was important to mention is that I really think when we start to talk about drinking as bad and we start when we talk about drinking as poisonous and we talk about um, it being wrong, you know, I just feel like the psychological implications make it harder for people to stop. Mm. Because when we begin to place moral value on something like alcohol, all of a sudden we're bad people if we're drinking it. And in my experience, it just didn't help me drink less when I felt guilty about drinking. Now, again, there are people out there who have great reasons for not drinking at all. Um, But I also think it's fully possible for people to learn how to drink less if they want to. And to not think of themselves as bad or wrong people for doing that. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you're making there to distinguish between like the moral attachment to alcohol and and being bad versus good of having it or not having it because there then like then it becomes the forbidden fruit, right? It's like exactly. yeah. the temptation arises with that or or whatever. But then there is also that very real like chemical addictive property of alcohol that's like if you have some or if you reach like what you're saying you reach that like great point of a buzz or whatever after two glasses of wine and you feel like the optimal effects of alcohol. And if you go beyond that, it's going to be worse. It's really hard for most people that drink, I think, to stop 
like if it's a night like that you are going to be drinking, for instance, or something like, because I would say a lot of the times, like I'll choose a night where I'm going to, if it's going to be a celebration, I'm going to have more than two glasses of wine. Like I might have five drinks or something like that on a big night of, of uh, celebration, stuff like that. And I'm definitely going to feel it the next day. I'm probably going to feel like shit the next day, but I've made this conscious decision like that. That's what this kind of a night is going to be. Otherwise, if it's like at home and it's Friday and we're cooking dinner, then I can have two glasses of wine and that'll be absolutely perfect. And I won't feel like shit the next day and all of that. But I'm wondering um, what you're saying in terms of being able to adjust your mindset Mm -hmm. to find this maybe optimal point of drinking all the time. However, if this is like, is this how you would categorize yourself? Do you do that? always or do you sometimes have like more celebratory nights or oh yeah there there are times like let's say I'm, go- I'm going on vacation or if it's a special occasion and I deliberately decide I'm gonna have three glasses I rarely drink more than three I mean wine is is primarily the the my beverage of choice I rarely drink more than that because the the negative side effects are just not worth it for me yeah but people have different sort of tipping points let's say um, but I would say three is the max because I know beyond that, I'm not going to be sleeping well. I'm going to feel terrible the next day. I'm just like, I'll have a headache, right? I find, like, I don't know what, what your experience is, but now that I'm in sort of like my mid forties, it just affects me so much worse than it did in my twenties. I just don't rebound the same way. Yes, um, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not even that as much as the sleep factor of like having young children and being up, you know, at six thirty in the morning versus having been able to sleep until ten o'clock in the morning totally. prior to that, you know. So it's that lack of sleep combined with the effects of alcohol that really knocks you down. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. So when I talk about the mindset, um, for me, and then this is sort of the process that I teach people, it's not just like saying, okay, I'm going to have two drinks tonight. It's actually factoring in um, what are the reasons I'm going to want to have more? Like being realistic in your plan and thinking, okay, if I'm going to a wedding and my goal is three drinks, but I know that I have the tendency to drink more. What are the, and this is sort of where the coaching comes in, what are the motivating factors that motivate me to have more? For a lot of people, it's like, well, everybody else is drinking. Or for some people, it's like, for people like me who are food lovers, it's like, well, no, wine just like makes the food taste better. And so if I'm eating this, I have to have the perfect wine with it. Or maybe it's the waiter walking around the table, like just refilling everybody's glass. Right. So it, it's it's it has to go very deep in terms of strategizing. How are you going to build up confidence by successfully following your plan, by anticipating what are all the obstacles going to be and how am I going to change my thinking about it? Right. So, for instance, if I'm working with somebody on this, I'd say, OK, like, let's picture yourself in the restaurant. You've decided to have two two glasses of wine max. How are we going to make sure that you're successful at this? One strategy is like when you get there, you don't start drinking right away. Maybe you start with sparkling water and let's think about all of the other things that you want to enjoy at dinner or at the restaurant aside from just drinking. Because we also have to figure out like what is alcohol solving for in this experience? 
I mean, you know, oftentimes I think the reasons why so many of us get into the habit of maybe over drinking or drinking more than we want to is because it's very mindless. We're not thinking through why we keep drinking. We're not thinking through why we have the urges to drink. And when you're able to kind of dig deeper through coaching and figure out all of your reasons and your motivating factors, you can kind of anticipate that and solve for it ahead of time. So it's like, okay, drinking for some people just really helps them to connect. But it actually prevents true connection because when drinking kind of affects your thinking and affects your ability to fully be be present and focused, you're not attentively listening. You're not fully connected to what people are saying. So I we sort of think about it, right? how are you going to connect with the people that you're with without drinking? Or how are you going to focus on what people are thinking and not put all of the focus on the drinking? Yeah. And then gradually you're kind of building confidence and in, in, in trust in yourself that actually I can stop at two drinks. I mean, I can't tell you how many like moms come to me and they say, um, I just can't like, I just can't stop drinking. Like I have three drinks and I just feel like I'm out of control. But what if that's not true? What if you can learn how to control yourself and you just have to build up the confidence in being able to do that? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it comes down to um, also like a social aspect. Maybe it's not, maybe you're alone and and then that's the point where you feel like less in control. But um, I think sometimes when you're out, like in a celebratory fashion or something like that, maybe it's a girl's dinner. Maybe you're just like with a friend that you haven't seen for a while and having drinks together. If they're like, well, it's just like have one more in the spirit of like being fun and like kind of breaking the rules and, mm-hmm. you know, going for it a little bit. Cause I think that's where I would get into trouble. Cause I'm like, yeah, fun. I choose that. But then a lot of times I'll be like, Ooh, the next day, maybe I shouldn't have chose to have that much fun last night, you know? But yeah. again, like, as I mentioned before too, it's like, I, I typically do choose when I'm going to do that. Like, and I'm prepared to suffer the consequences the next day and kind of, you know, as my mother-in-law would say, if you want to play, you got to pay. And I think that there's a mindful aspect of that too. Like Mm -hmm. there's like, this is a night that I am going to do that. And that it didn't just like necessarily slip away from me. I kind of planned for this, you know, it's more like, you know, that kind of thing rather than a situation where you're just completely mindlessly consuming yeah, and I think there are people there are people on different um, different parts of the spectrum, right? There 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 are definitely plenty of moms who are just kind of in the cycle that I was in, where it's like every night they're just unwinding with a glass or two of wine. That's just become their routine, and then they find themselves in this place where they it's like very difficult to get out of it. Yeah, because it becomes so habitual. It becomes so habitual, and they don't and they start to feel like they don't have any control. I mean, that's the nature of habits. And, and until you sort of recognize, okay, if I learned this habit by continuing to repeat it, I can also unlearn it. Right. And it feels intimidating to do that because you have to figure out, well, how am I going to deal with the stress? Like, how am I going to deal with all of these emotions that I'm having? Or how am I going to go out and socialize with people when everybody else is drinking? Like, that's hard to do when you're not, when it's not your comfort zone. Yeah. But oftentimes, just like with habits, it's like learning how to step into that discomfort and actually recognizing it's not as difficult as, as what you're imagining. And the other important thing about this is that it was same thing with food, which I never believed for the longest time. I always thought like, I'm not satisfied unless I have like two bowls of ice cream. Like I just love ice cream. Like a, a couple of scoops isn't going to do it. And I was able to teach myself how to have a couple sco- scoops and be like completely satisfied. And I think the same is true for me with wine is 
I always felt like I need three glasses to like fully enjoy it. And I, same thing with, with habits is like, you can actually teach yourself to appreciate less yeah. and to, to realize that less is more. And so you could, Caitlin, decide, you know, tonight's a night I'm going to go out and like really enjoy myself and have some alcohol. And maybe historically for you, that's like three glasses minimum. But what if you could have that same experience and thoroughly enjoy yourself with one glass and teach yourself how to do that? Yeah. I mean, I'm totally open to, to that <laughs> yeah. idea. Um, and at home, I don't have that problem. If it's my husband and I, and we're cooking dinner and it's a Friday night where we are going to have some wine, I can just have a couple glasses of wine and be really happy with that, you know, and not be like overly excited about having this special celebration night or whatever. Right. Absolutely. And I think you identifying, you know what, it's these kind of situations when I notice myself drinking more, I want to just recognize that and anticipate it and put myself in a position where maybe the best course of action is to not drink. Or maybe I just have to be very strategic in the way that I drink this night and, and like really come up with a game plan so that I'm not going beyond X amount. I mean, I have a number of clients where there are certain emotions that are combined with sort of the need to drink. Sure. So figuring out like what are those feelings and what's causing those feelings can be an amazing way to sort of like process your emotions without trying to drink as a way to numb them. Yeah. And I think the amazing part about that is it just gives you insight into yourself and sort of um, how you're interpreting your life experiences, what things mean to you and how you can start to just identify those needs and, and solve them without necessarily, you know, eating or drinking as a way to try and feel better. Yeah, I think that's interesting what you're saying too is almost like you replace an old habit with a new habit of coming up with a new game plan. Like it's like, all right, this is a night where I would normally do this. Let's change the game plan. Here is what I'm going to do tonight and then make that your new go-to habit or whatever for those situations. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a person who's very disciplined in a lot of ways. Like I always make a point to exercise. I eat healthy. I have a lot of self-control and discipline in, in most areas of my life. And I think like going out and having a good time is one of the ones where I do let my hair down um, more than in other ways. And it's just like a little bit of who I am and I'm okay with that, but I'm always really mind. This is why I find these conversations to be so interesting because I do have a lot of alcoholism within my family, that kind of thing. Like I'm always very mindful of the power of alcohol over people. But I think that it is even like if you didn't take anything away from today's conversation, other than just being mindful of the next time you pick up a glass of wine or whatever it is that you're having. I always just think that that's a good reminder. It's like an on, it's an ongoing thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I remember when I took that like year long break from alcohol, um, I, I just felt like somebody had just taken all the fun out of life. It's like, okay, this, this is terrible. Oh, like I'm no. taking care of these young kids. I'm not like, you know, eating the way that I used to. I'm not drinking. Like for a long part of my life, like eating and drinking was the source of pleasure. Yeah. And I hadn't realized actually I need to like actually create my own fun now. Yeah. Since drinking isn't the fun, how am I how am I going to create my own fun? But the other really important thing I realized is that I kept thinking that 
it was wrong. I, I, I wasn't allowed to have a drink if I wanted to under any circumstances. And that didn't work for me because then the, the times that I would inevitably give into the urge to drink, I was drinking a lot more than I used to. Hmm. And it was because it seemed forbidden to me. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, no, this isn't helpful. And the way that I got to a point of just being able to kind of have the relationship with drinking where I can drink occasionally, but not overdo it and and not deal with the negative side effects was actually neutralizing it and realizing, you know, alcohol is just a beverage. It's not good or bad. I can do it in a mindful way. I can do it in a way where I'm not escaping my feelings. And then I can actually solve for the stress and the, you know, emotional distress and, and all of the other things and the need for fun and, and relaxation in other ways. Yeah. And I think that's how you can kind of create, in my opinion, sort of the sweet spot Yeah, where you don't feel like it's forbidden, but you feel like you're fully in control. Yeah. And I think that's the same mentality, like what you just said right there. It's not a good, uh, it's a beverage. It's not a good beverage or a bad beverage. Some people would argue that it is a bad beverage, that kind of thing, or just to acknowledge that there are harmful aspects of alcohol or whatever. But that's the same with food, right? So that's, this is what we teach the language around food is to like what you tell your daughters, like there's no such thing as like a good food or a bad food. It's just the way that you decide to have these types of food, right? In within balance and within, and there's a place for all of these types of food within your normal diet, but it just has to be used in the right way, right? Oh, yeah. Because the the sort of typical response that a lot of us have when we try and diet or lose weight by restricting foods is that we end up rebelling against ourselves mm-hmm. and we overeat the very food that we've restricted because we think it's off limits. We think that it's bad and we build up so much desire for it that approach just doesn't work at all. Yeah. And I'm somebody who for a long time, like fully thought, okay, I just have to, I've got to give up like all sugar. I've got to give up fat. I've got to give up all the foods that I love. And that just didn't work for somebody like me. It wasn't until I actually gave myself permission and said, no, you can have this. You just have to be intentional about how you're going to eat it and be mindful of your body that you can like thoroughly enjoy it. Meaning You can have just enough to experience the pleasure of it, but also feel all of the pleasure in your body at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's like a mentality around it too, that it's like, you have to remember this isn't going away. This isn't your only opportunity to ever eat this or drink this again. Like you could do this again tomorrow if you want to, like you don't have to, it's not going to run out. Like there's no race to eat or drink at all right now. You know, it's like, it's Mm -hmm. still going to be there tomorrow in the morning, whatever, next weekend, chill out. Yes. You're not running out of opportunities, but our brain will tell us like, this is your only chance. Like you're missing out if you don't totally indulge. And so it's like, no, there's just plenty of options to eat well, to drink, but now is an opportunity to just be very deliberate in how you want to feel. And ultimately, if you can kind of honor feeling the best that you can and knowing that you can have some pleasure without sacrificing that you know, you can, you can feel like what I call freedom around these things. I agree. Let's go smoke a cigarette. (laughs) If that makes you feel good. I'm just kidding. Actually, it would probably make me throw up. Um, (laughs) 
But I really appreciate this conversation. I think it's an important one. And especially like with the mommy wine culture and the mommy wine time and the um, mentality sort of around drinking for women and also like the pressure around it for women. I think like men don't have the same um, amount of judgment placed on them surrounding alcohol or drinking. Like no one would think twice about a dude having a beer after work. But like if um, a mom's having a glass of wine every night, it's like she might want to, you know, watch that type thing. So it's also like a a social construct uh, um, Mm -hmm. for women that we've been sort of, I think, either it's good or bad, like you were talking about, to be one way or another. Um, so to take, I love that taking the, the moral implications out, out of the equation is a really powerful way to think about it too. Right. I really think it's an individual experience, which is why I think sometimes hearing a blanket statement, like you have to just completely give up alcohol can just be really disheartening for some people who don't want that option. Um, and, and, and who, who are not really aware that it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can actually change the habit of drinking without completely giving it up. Yeah, totally. As soon as the summer is over. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it could even be before the, the summer ends and you could learn how to, you know, appreciate less if that's what you want. <laughs> but there's so many beautiful days in the summer. So the choice is yours, right? This is basically what you're saying. Yeah, the choice is yours. And if you want to learn how to like enjoy a beautiful day without drinking, you can do that. You just have to like recognize, okay, what am I appreciating about this day? And and give yourself enough experience of not drinking to realize like, oh, I can have an amazing day without drinking or I can have an amazing day with like just one glass instead of three. Step into that unfamiliar territory and fix my attention on other things other than the alcohol as being the source of, of the enjoyment. Molly, thank you so much for today's conversation. I really um, loved chatting about this. I really appreciate your honesty and um, your intuition on this. I think it's a different perspective that's not always considered. It does seem very black and white in a lot of ways. Yeah. I appreciate you and it was so nice to meet you. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for being here. For more information on today's episode, visit my show notes. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a review. Now get yourself a snack.